Welcome to Hunger for Wholeness. I'm your host, Robert Nicastro. Today, Ilya dives deeper into the wisdom of Father Greg Boyle's ministerial work at Homeboy Industries. In part two of their conversation, Ilya asks Father Greg about the challenges of building and scaling this work. And later, what needs to be done for future progress? Two things, I mean, one, first going back to your insights on love, remind me of Bonaventure, who once said, you truly exist where you love, not merely where you live. And I think that we're really at home. We really find our true aliveness where love is alive. And therefore, I think if Homeboy Industries is really about bringing into reality the energies of love in human persons, you know, coming from all sorts of broken places, that love is there and it's rekindling what's there and then to say that we can go out into the world and then anywhere in the world and the whole world then becomes, anywhere we are then becomes home. So the notion of home is where we love. You know, I think that's really an important thing because again, I see among the different, the economic classes, for example, here in Villanova, I'm in Villanova, which is mainline Philadelphia, where probably the average home here is one to two million you know, huge homes with maybe sometimes two to three people living in them. So you have, you know, 10,000, 12,000, 15,000 square feet homes with, you know, two, three people. And you go, what is that about? You know, is that a home or is that just a giant house with a lot of electric bills? And, you know, compared to, say, a simple apartment or a simple dwelling, home is really has nothing to do with structure. It's about the structures of relationships, you know, as what I think what you're saying here. And so, again, if we could, I think Pope Francis, quite honestly, I'm sure you've talked with him and, and met him, and he has his eye on homeboy industries because you're kind of a wonderful model for Ladalto C, you know, for what the world could be like if we actually could animate the energies of love and, you know, enfold them into our lives. The other question I have for you is a practical one. So you're in Los Angeles. Did you ever think about reproducing homeboy industry, say, on the East Coast or any other part of the U.S. or worldwide or using it as a model to build centers or what's your thoughts there? Yeah. Although at the moment, I'm in New York City to give a talk tomorrow in Connecticut, and I have two homies on the loose in New York City. So I'm, I'm hoping they I'm hoping they return. They're seeing the Statue of Liberty and but mm, that's wonderful. You were my excuse not to go to the Statue of Liberty for the ten thousandth time. But many years ago, actually two thousand and eight is when we got our first delegation. A group from uh, Wichita came and stakeholders and mayor and that kind of chief of police, and they said, "Please airlift Homeboy Industries into Wichita." So I remember, right, we had a meeting and we said, do we want to do that? You know, do we want to become the McDonald's of? Yeah. And then we decided not to do that. So we said, look, we'll help you with as much technical assistance, if you will, to start something of your own. Because if we just airlifted Homeboy to Wichita, gang members in Wichita would say, well, who are these people? 
what do they know? And they'd be right. So then that started the Center Cafe in Wichita. And people always kind of look at our homegirl cafe or homeboy bakery. And so they always think, well, you know, we'll, we'll start a food thing, which I don't recommend, but because restaurants are hard, bakeries are hard. So they start with a social enterprise and then they add on, you know, you know, like uh, therapy or case management or whatever. So now we have a thing called the Global Homeboy Network. And so we gather every August for three days. We have 300 programs in the United States modeled on our methodology of a community of tenderness and 50 programs outside the country. So originally it was people dealing with the gang issue. And then it became kind of a model for all the social kind of dilemmas, you know, so mental health, disaffected youth in Sydney, Australia, returning citizens in Glasgow, and, you know, homeless. I, I, there was a delegation in from Detroit, and I presumed they were there because they were dealing with gang issues. But it was, you know, they wanted to kind of, you know, incorporate this model into their own approach in dealing with the unhoused. So our, our last gathering, which was in August, it's always in August for three days. And we have, you know, 300 people there. Wow. And the ones who can come from all over the world, South Africa. And I mean, it's kind of magical, you know, and everybody's sort of on the same page of wanting to have this energy in the world. Yeah. That is loving and anchored in kinship. And so, but all the kind of the issues are really complex social dilemma, you know? And there, I don't think there's anything that hasn't been brought to this methodology and way of proceeding. Yeah. In terms of anything, crime, mass incarceration, the huge mental health crisis, the fentanyl crisis. You know, people are using a kind of picking and choosing, which we like. Right. The tattoo removal doesn't make any sense in Glasgow. But it makes a lot of sense in Guatemala City. So there are different kinds of things. Well, let's say they come. Again, we have like eight tour groups a day from all over the world. People kind of hang out for a few days. And then they go, okay, well, that would work over here. Maybe that one wouldn't so much. But it's kind of a way of proceeding that, I don't know, connects. As you said earlier, passion. It's really kind of galvanizes a passion to kind of be in the world who God is, you know, kind and compassionate. First of all, thank you. I, I did not realize, but it makes sense. I'm, I'm glad to hear that there's sort of a global homeboy network and that you have been, makes sense that you would be not necessarily building McDonald's of homeboy industries, but in a sense, sharing the insights of what creates a sustainable wholeness within these communities. So two things. One is I hear you. I do think this is harnessing the, and to use a Teardian phrase, I think you're harnessing the energies of love, you know, from people who have been left outside or unloved or fractured in love and all that as people have endured the hardships of life. That itself is a huge leap in human energy. So Tayrod was very keen that human energy harnessed together could change our world. And that's what I hear, you know, in your description of homeboy industries and 
it's not just doing good. There's something even more here than just doing good. Doing good is the, the beginning of it, but it's actually bringing forth energies from human persons that can collaborate in relationship in becoming something more in and through those relationships. So the second thing I wonder is how could what you're doing, you know, uh, because sometimes I find myself, you know, in the academic world where on some, you know, academics tend to be on a cloud of <laughs> some sort, maybe one or two steps removed from the human reality. We write all about it, but we never step foot into it. You know, uh, how do we bring these worlds into a greater alignment? You know, I think because one question I would have for you is where do you see the future of things going? You know, from where I sit, you know, I see the future being on this exponential evolution with technology that we're leaving, actually, the Homo sapiens species. We're becoming techno sapiens. We will be completely downloadable. We will be marrying robots, you know, and it's a future that is <laughs> pretty eerie in some ways. And yet it's upon us. I mean, Homeboy Industries and LA. Elon Musk in Silicon Valley. So California has quite a range of, you know, things going on. But where do you see the efforts, the vision, not just the efforts, the vision of Homeboy Industries going into the future? Can it grow? Can it evolve? And what might that look like? Yeah, I, you know, we were given an opportunity to kind of spread this all over the country. And we didn't want to spread it in a way that diminished the importance of things being born from below, you know, in a specific community. So you have Rise Up Industries in San Diego, and that was born from below. And I'm happy that, you know, Homeboy was able to animate and harness their own kind of good intentions, and they can learn from our mistakes, of which we've made many. And then Braveheart Industries in Glasgow, Scotland, you know, and we're so connected to them, and yet they are their own thing, born from below. It's interesting because, you know, you, you've used the word fractured, which is a very helpful word, because it kind of identifies a kind of where people are stuck, you know, in self-absorption and... You know, like David Brooks asks all the time, you know, why are people so sad and mean? And I go, well, sadness and meanness isn't really a thing. It, it points to a thing. This is where science is so, as you well know, it really helps us because then you can start to talk about rewiring. Yes. You know, brain and how, you know, how the plasticity in, of things. And But I think you can draw a straight line. You know, why is it that we have a hard time making progress on all these things like racism and anti-Semitism? And, and it was interesting, you know, they captured that guy after 12 days. The sheriff got up and he said, our nightmare is finally over. And then he said, and the good guys have won. And as soon as I heard that line, I said, that's why we don't make progress, because you can draw a perfectly straight line between that statement and all the things and our lack of progress in all the areas that, that we find quite vexing, you know, from fentanyl overdoses to outrageous mass shootings and racist and anti-Semitic 
outburst. You know, but if you think there's such a thing as good people and bad people, don't be surprised that we aren't going to make progress. But once you know that everybody's unshakably good and we need to help each other walk each other home to that realization. Yeah. You know, like the prophet Micah, you know, the translation is love mercy and walk humbly. Well, there's another translation that says love goodness, which I like better because it's that's about seeing as God sees. God who can get underneath the most horrific things that we do to each other. Yeah. And God loves goodness. And so and so how do we, you know, embrace that as a way of proceeding? Like I saw a t-shirt at Midway Airport and it said love not hate. And I remember looking at it and I said, that's why we don't make progress because it's still us and them. It's still otherizing. Yeah. It says, I stand with the group that loves, and I really do stand against those of you who hate. But in the same airport, I saw an older woman, and she had a sweatshirt on, and it had one word, and it said, unwell, on her sweatshirt. <laughs> and I, I looked at it, and I said, finally, progress. You know, and I really do believe that. I think that's a hard one, even in the church. Yeah. You know, yes. Kind of back the sin horse. And boy, did it work because it got my butt in church every Sunday. <laughs> but I don't think you could ever make a case that it helped, that it ever helped. And I think we need to abandon the things that work and embrace the things that help because the byproduct of embracing the things that help is that it also works. Yeah. But it was all indictment and no in invitation. And Anyway, I still remain hopeful that we can get to this, you know, kind of renewed orthodoxy, as Richard talks about, you know, a place where we can just invite people to see as God sees. And then something falls away when, when that graciously happens, your sadness and your meanness and your self-absorption. And then people get a taste of, you know, my joy, yours, your joy complete. Science in the 20th century has provided new humanistic tools for healing, growth, and progress. Meanwhile, religious structures, entrenched in unhelpful dualisms and certainties, are largely stuck and oftentimes a hindrance to social progress. Next, Ilya unpacks what science can teach religion about wholeness and how Homeboy Industries is an evolutionary step forward. I want to say that we need to pay attention to what science is telling us today because it is a very new world that we're discovering ourselves in. And the first thing about science, especially from the quantum level of things, it's a whole. From the beginning of this universe, it is a cosmic wholeness. And it's thoroughly interconnected. You can't take out one thing. And so, you know, you're pointing to the fact that we have developed a binary way of thinking. And it's unfortunate, but I do think the way that doctrine of original sin got articulated and then inscribed, certainly in the 
you know, Christian mind created this up down mentality, heaven, earth, good, bad, black, white, saved, damned. And it created such a narrow individualism, certainly uh, the fear of hell and disobeying God, you know, and then you marry that to the Calvinist notion of progress. Like if I work harder and I gain more wealth, God will bless me and I'll go to heaven, you know, and this was probably (laughs) some of the most unhealthiest. Oh, well, we passed through those stages historically, but we don't have to stay there because science is giving us all whole new understanding of the world. And what it's saying is we're holes. We're always a whole. We're coming out of a whole. We are intended to be whole and we are emerging into greater wholeness. That's the bottom line of, in a sense, you know, siphoning it down to that. This is where I do think theology, the church needs to not just pay lip service to science. It really has to Embrace evolution as the description of the way life unfolds into greater wholeness, complexity, consciousness, belonging, all these things that we're talking about. So I think, you know, the great work that you have been doing for so many decades now is in the trajectory of a evolution that we're trying to harness the energies of love for the forward movement of ever greater wholeness, a growing unity, like We belong to this together, rich, poor, black, white, gay, straight, you name it. You know, they're all that homeboy industry and they're all part of the world. I think the human heart is crushed sometimes by fear, by neglect, by feeling lonely, by being an outsider. And we have created structures to fracture the human heart. That's the problem, I think, today. And we have an opportunity to reclaim a vital men. I think Jesus was not the problem. Religion is not even the problem, but it's how we've structured religion, certainly Christianity, and formed it into this imperial court religion. And that has a lot of Greek metaphysics woven throughout it and a lot of language that no one really understands anyway, like consubstantiality. You know, so it doesn't make sense. It's time to close that book, you know, and get back to. Jesus of Nazareth was a radical person, you know, on the edge, a heart full of love, a compassionate, you know, embrace of mercy. It was about inclusivity. So, you know, I I do think what you're doing is certainly it's gospel living at its best. Second, I think it's evolution at its best. You know, I I don't think probably go back and say, this sister was telling about evolution here at Homeboy Industries. That could be your new slogan. You know, we are part of evolution. Well, you are. Yeah. Harnessing, really going back to the phrase, to harness the energies of love is the forward movement of evolution. And we cannot go forward, as you say. Our systems are stuck. They're stagnant precisely because those energies of love are not free to harness together. see that there's a lot of work to do yet before us or is that just me (laughs) yeah but I, i also just feel like things are getting simpler you know it's things are evolving like homeboy is not the same ever which is kind of good and so there's concrete help that we offer people but it's also it's all about a way of seeing you know that that somehow we can you know imagine a circle of compassion and then imagine nobody standing outside of it 
and you're always trying to do that. But, you know, there's so many spinning of our wheels because we, you know, us and them language is really the opposite of how God sees. And, you know, there was a, a mass shooting, and I remember there was a bishop who said, as sacred scripture clearly tells us, God stands with the victims and not the victimizers. And I thought, well, maybe he could proof text that. I think that might be, even be easy. But all I know is, you know, as, as Mirabai Star says, once you know the God of love, you fire all the other gods. And so you say, no, I don't know. The God of love doesn't agree with you. And I would go to my grave knowing that that's true, that God doesn't see victims or victimizers. God doesn't see us and them. God sees children. God sees my own. God sees we belong to each other. Yeah. And yet I, I go, boy, that's just it. Demonizing language is always the opposite of how God sees. God doesn't agree with it. Right. And, you know, you feel so certain of these things, you know, but you want to live from that place where, you know, kids I loved killed kids I loved. And you just have to say, and I won't ever stop loving them. Yeah. And that's not so hard because. Parents do this all the time, and yet they don't think their God does that, you know? And I just think we have to undo a lot of things, and that's okay, but but we have to really, you know, be anchored in the sure and certain knowledge that love is the only thing that's ever made any sense, and that we're called to just be in the world who God is. Yeah. You know, and just so for our listeners, I mean, it's not to vindicate the act of violence, but it is to say that the perpetrator is still a child of God and loved by God. And, you know, we don't know what's in the human heart. We make such judgments sometimes about people. We become gods. This is the problem. We become the little gods, you know, who meet out the judgment. So I think you're absolutely right. And you know, that's kind of a dilemma at the moment, you know, because we, yeah. especially in our country that is so divided and polarized. But if there is a them, then we have to know that God doesn't see it that way. And even when it's hard, you, even when you want to demonize everybody, you know, you just know. But what keeps you from demonizing is the knowledge that everybody's unshakably good and we belong to each other. Now, people don't always see their own goodness. The goodness is always there. Right. And how do we help each other? How do we hold up the mirror and say, Oh, nobly born, remember who you really are. Yeah. And as you go back to victimizers, you you know that nobody well has ever shot up a school and killed a bunch of people. Nobody healthy has ever invaded Ukraine, and nobody whole has ever slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars. I mean, it goes on and on wherever you say, right. none of us are well until all of us are well. And it's not about morality. It's about how do we help people? Yeah. I would give a talk and somebody came up to me and he says, uh, do you have to be religious to do good? And I said, no, you have to be healthy to do good. Yeah. And so the more we can see that whole is holy and nobody's ever met a healthy person who really wasn't holy. And it, they're kind of interchangeable for me. Right. Healthy, holy. 
salvation in my view. Yeah. That's that's what salvation is all about, right? Absolutely. And, and and like Ram Das says, you know, we're just walking each other home, which I agree with, you know, that we're walking each other home in relational wholeness, in being other-centered and loving-driven, and, you know, harnessing the energies yeah. love with people who are stuck. We all get stuck. It's not a once and for all. Absolutely. Yeah. And when somebody gets stuck, you you try to lavish them with a kind of attention that will really free them from being stuck. And, and then you're freed in the loving. And it's exquisitely mutual. Love is always pointing, it's bringing two, and there's a third emerging out of those two. So love is never binary. It's always three. That's why Trinity is a great model here, because it's the openness of bringing two together and the openness of those two together into a new future. You know, you become something new, even being brought out in something about yourself, you know, it becomes new. So we're always, in a sense, with love, we're always on the cusp of the future. And that's why it's life-giving, it's spirit-filled, it's life-filled. And I think all that you're saying here reminds me of what the essence of love is about. It's about future. It's about the future of life. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Sometimes I wonder, what do we think about that? You know, But I think this is it, I think. And, and it says, keep going. So, Father Greg, we are out of time. But you, know, you remind me a little bit. The other thing I was thinking about is, while we have technology, go back to technology, what you're doing is a technology as well. It's, you know, harnessing those energies of love for the forward movement of humankind into ever greater wholeness. So um, I don't know if you think of yourself as a technologist, but I could think of Homeboy Industries as a new technology. And you might just kind of write a little note to Silicon Valley, you know, to Elon <laughs> and tell him, hey, we're onto something completely new here. Because you remind me a little bit of Steve Jobs. You know, he said, here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the round pegs and square holes, you know, the ones who people say they're outrageous. And it, he says, you know, those who are crazy enough to think they can change the world actually do so. I think Jesus was like that. You have to really live out of that. That passion of love is crazy, right? So it's uh, you do crazy things and that crazy stuff in is really what loves is what the whole thing's about. So. It's been great speaking with you. I really appreciate your voice in the world, old and, uh, and thank you. Friends. Yeah, thank you, Father Greg. Thank you to all those who attended our recent conference on Alfred North Whitehead and Pierre Tehard de Chardin. In the upcoming weeks, we'll enjoy some more special guest interviews from our colleagues at the recent conference digging deeper into the subjects of process and evolution. This concludes our conversation with Father Greg Boyle. A special thanks to our partners at the Fetzer Institute and our team at the Center for Christogenesis. As always, I'm Robert Nicastro. Thanks for listening.